<laughs> We're talking about the cat in the hat today, and that's the <laughs> since it's so deep, we only picked one movie. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Are we recording? Yeah. Are we live? All right. Welcome to the Primo Kino Podcast. Episode two. What are we watching today, Joe? Today's movies were handpicked by Joe Wolfing. We have two gems today. One of them is Spike Jones's directorial debut, 1999's Being John Malkovich. It's a bit of a comedy. It's a bit of a drama. It's a bit of a romance, existential, adventure, whatever you want to call it. And the second movie, thematically linked in some ways, you may say, is Brandon Cronenberg's sophomore follow-up to Antiviral, the 2020 Possessor. More of a techno-thriller. It's really about possessing things at its core. You might have noticed that they're both romps. So how many big laughs did we get out of each of these movies? <laughs> got like four out of Possessor and too many, too many to count out of John A lot Malkovich. of belly laughs in John Malkovich. Some would say they're the ultimate girl boss movies of the century. <laughs> Now, if you were watching along at home, you may notice that both these movies are thematically linked through the act of possession, going into another person's body and mind. If you weren't watching at home, that's fine. We got you covered. We're going to have a short little spoiler-free discussion of both movies, our general thoughts and impressions, before we dive into them and get into, you know, the meat and potatoes. Well, we're going to be talking about the meat and potatoes right now. The spoilers would be more like the spices and the fixings and the... The meat no. and potatoes are the basics. No, the meat and potatoes are the spoilers. Okay. <laughs> the hearty. The the, the, the spoiler free the spoiler free is the appetizer. That's like mm. the soup you get the amuse bouche. Yeah. The soup du jour. I'll have that. All right. So I know how I feel about these movies. At least for this first episode, I wanted to pick two. Uh, classics you know whether it's like an actual classic or like kind of like an instant classic like possessor but how did you yeah i said it how did you all feel about it because from here on out i'm picking only dog shit movies so (laughs) audrey why don't you kick us off with your thoughts yeah um so i watched i only watched possessor last night i watched being john malkovich um earlier this week but so it's still very fresh in my head but i watched possessor with um our parents they were there for a little bit of it i was talking to our mom about it and i couldn't decide if i thought it was slow like i didn't think slow was the right word for it um i think it was very like drawn out i think that's a better way to describe it because it's going very like in depth about like one situation like i don't there's not always fast paced so yeah i liked it i thought i don't know i didn't know exactly like where it was gonna go i didn't know if it was just gonna follow that one specific situation i didn't know like how the movie was gonna draw out but i like the way that it all came together well yeah it's more of like a character study it's right. like it's very methodical it's a bit of a slow burn and it kind of is more of like a self-discovery thing for this woman we follow yeah so i i watched it a week and a week and a half ago i feel like and so when the credits rolled i was a little conflicted i didn't really love it that much i kind of generally liked it it's grown on me a little bit since though i also watched possessor probably about a week ago and yeah i I really 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 love this movie i didn't feel like it was finally (laughs) yeah some sense (laughs) um and johnny mentioned like it's grown on him 
but it's one of those movies you can't stop thinking about for a lot of different reasons like the disturbing imagery is one of them um but also because like joe was saying it's a character study like these characters um really stick with you uh and how they develop throughout the movie it took really about like half way through the movie for it like to start like clicking with me like the first like hour not maybe hour like 45 minutes i was like i don't know about this like it's it looks nice like but i don't really know about this but there's a certain scene halfway through that i'll get into more later that i was like okay you know it's it's getting a little spicier and like and i'm it's that's everything's connecting for me a bit more now and i i liked i like the movie a lot more from that moment on it would have been easy to make this like a super generic like not blockbuster but like you could take the technology that they explore in this universe and just have it be more about like what you do with it like possessing politicians or possessing like whoever to get them to say things and i just feel like it would have been a very generic bland movie something you've maybe not specifically seen before but it feels like you've seen it before but instead you know taking it into more like how this is affecting this woman's psyche um how who she is as a person and how she's like exploring who she is as a person is she losing herself is she finding herself like what's going like it's those are questions that are raised throughout the movie and like and are answered throughout i just think it's fantastic i think i like the i like it all throughout you know i think it does a really good job of establishing the setting establishing the world establishing technology and what they do before it kind of delves into you know the you know core issues which again it's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling yeah and i did really appreciate i won't go into too much detail but the way the movie was kind of bookended it kind of put a bow on it and made everything kind of click for me yeah i I know exactly what you're talking about yeah it's the begin not like literally the beginning but like near the beginning and at the end yeah you have a really complete picture of you know the journey you just went on yeah exactly i think too to your point john i think as it goes on and it develops um it puts into what you learn throughout the way puts into context what happens earlier in the movie um so while it may feel like nothing's quite like happening happening maybe in the beginning um looking back at a lot is happening it's just there's no context to put it in right away yeah i agree with that abby it's um once you get like the full contextual picture of the story everything clicks and i think it's okay you know, I think, you know, a little bit of confusion, a little bit of like, where is this going? I never feel like, I never felt like I wasn't in like good hands though. But bouncing back to the themes of like sense of self, identity, possession in general, the concept of possession as I think Brandon Cronenberg actually said like uh, psychological infection. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, that's such wow. a cool definition. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to the spoiler-free discussion of it, um, just a little forewarning, it is very violent. It's very violent. So if that's not your thing. It's pretty brutal. There's the body horror. And if you're thinking like Cronenberg fly body horror, it's more just like very visceral, realistic, like uh, bloody. It's almost not even close. body horror. It's, yeah, it's it's basically it's just, just gore and violence. Violence, yeah. yeah. Um, there is, the, the body horror is more the psychological aspect yeah, of it than the exactly. actual raw violence of it. Exactly consciousness but if you are familiar with brandon cronenberg's father david cronenberg you might know a little bit of what you're getting into in terms of violence um before we get into spoilers i do just do want to shout out the cast 
the the main four uh uh um what do you call them actors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dude i thought we we're very strong was that andrea risenborough or did i do i have her name right um yeah andrea risenborough yeah risenborough um very good christopher abbott very good and i thought jennifer jason lee and sean bean were nice little complimentary um characters there they're fantastic that really added jennifer jason lee really so added a lot to the movie yeah yeah, and I think uh, I think the performances are. I mean, it's not. It's kind of the premise of the movie where Andrew Riseborough and Christopher Abbott are giving kind of like a dual performance almost, and it's it's just like very apparent. It can be confusing. You kind you know like with and it's and Andrew Riseborough is fantastic. Christopher Abbott really to more to his credit on this piece. Like you you know who you're watching when you see him on screen. You know if it's him. Or if you know if it's Andrea. I was going to say, um, actually, like, during, while watching Being John Malkovich, I know we're not, like, talking about that yet. While I was watching it, and, like, while he was acting, I was like, wow, that's really impressive to act like you are someone else is in your mind. Like, you're acting like yourself, but there's, like, another layer to it. And then when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, my God, it's the same exact thing. It's yeah. like watching somebody act like somebody else is in their body is, like, really impressive. I think you... Like, you know, it's impressive when you aren't thinking about it. You can just, like, tell. Like, yeah. I was, like, immersed in it. And afterwards, I'm like, holy shit. Christopher Abbott, like, yeah, <laughs> blew me away. No, he does a really I good job see him more conveying movies, it with man. his eyes. Yeah. And I think Sean Bean's, like, really crass, like, blowhardy performance was, like, really something the movie needed at that point. Like, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job. He did. He wasn't, you know, like, he wasn't, like, a main character, but... Fun to he, watch. he added a lot to the movie. All right, moving on to our brief spoiler-free discussion of being John Malkovich. This is Spike Jones's directorial debut. It follows John Cusack as starving artist puppeteer Craig Schwartz, living in his basement apartment with his wife Lottie, portrayed by Cameron Diaz. He needs to get a real fucking job and support his family um, of various pets and different animals. So he gets an office job and through this job he discovers a hidden doorway which leads to a hidden tunnel which leads to a portal to the mind of actor and performer john malkovich portrayed by himself so hilarity ensues antics ensue uh it's a bit of a drama a bit of a romance um as uh craig lottie and craig's partner and co-worker portrayed by katherine keener maxine kind of explore the significance of this portal explore what it means to be a person and what it's like to be kind of a passenger in someone else's consciousness and it kind of evolves from there so again i know how i feel about the movie i love it it's one of my favorites uh, i think it's kind of brilliantly written and brilliantly directed and i think spike jones and charlie kaufman work really well together um, when it comes to kind of portraying that wacky all another like alternate universe but like a little more even a little more supernatural in this one um, but anyway, what did you think about it, Audrey? I really, really liked this movie. I think it was like just my kind of movie. It was injected into my veins. <laughs> like you said, I was going to say, I loved how like wacky it was. Um, I will say this has had like, nothing to do with like my opinion of the movie, but I thought it was funny. I already told Johnny that there is a scene where, <laughs> um, why am I blanking on Craig? Right? Craig. Yeah. Yes. John Cusack. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know that it was John 
Cusack and I didn't know who John Cusack was and he was like leaning over the table and like yelling and his facial expression I was like huh that kind of looks like the principal from school of rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like holy shit yeah. that's that's her brother um Brady. but yeah <laughs> Brady. but yeah um I really liked it I thought it was like fun and really really weird um but it was cool kind of kind of messed up yeah, I, I really I really love this movie. I thought it was great. I um I really liked, you know, you start and you get this classic Charlie Kaufman protagonist who's like a sad sack douchebag that you hate. It's like a little <laughs> sniveling loser. Yeah, like he's so dingy. He says shit like, "Oh, I'm a puppet. I'm a puppeteer." Like when something goes wrong. Like, yeah, he's got that like starving artist, like yeah. super self absorbed, like put himself yeah. on the pedestal. Like, he, like and the movie knows it. It's like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It I'm a genius, but no one else. Yeah, misunderstood yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah. I deserve all this shit. He's yeah. jealous because in this in this universe, like puppeteering is like a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are like he, there's a huge like, so like he's puppeteer. jealous of like yeah. the local the local more successful puppeteer, like the superstar puppeteer. Yeah, gimmicky. He sees his gimmicky bullshit on TV and complains about it. Yeah, the mainstream, the Marvel movie of puppeteering. <laughs> so yeah, and then like I thought all the characters are really strong. Um, John Malkovich just goes for it i have to imagine that was weird for him can we call this a career defining performance for mr malkovich i think he was brilliant uh, burn after reading exists he's great but i mean <laughs> think about how weird it was and i and i hear so much i hear like i heard like reports that if they couldn't get like he was hesitant to do it at first and yeah. like oh like they were talking about it being being tom cruise but like what i what i heard at least like directly from you know the creators of the movie you know as i spoke with them you know <laughs> you know personally no just like it like with like behind the scenes stuff is that this was pretty much written for him and i don't really think it was going to happen without him yeah because he's, he's a very specific type of celebrity he's a movie star but he's a movie star that if he gets into a taxi yeah. you don't necessarily know him as he's, john malkovich that happens in the movie he gets into a taxi and in he's that way. guy from that thing that guy from that jewel thief movie jewel thief <laughs> movie that he was never in yeah so exactly like everybody recognizes him but not everybody can place him abby what do you think of the movie ah, um i was really pleasantly surprised i had never seen this movie before um i knew it'd be like weird but it was pretty like hilarious and darkly funny and entertaining yeah that's good. Yeah, it took a lot of um, twists and turns, you know? Like, the one thing I was thinking, like, at the beginning, I'm like, I wonder, I know this is going somewhere, but, like, I wonder where this is going, because this feels like, like, the idea of it feels like it would be a short film before it's a feature film. Like, you know, it's like, where's the story going? How's it going to be an hour 50? But, like, they keep you, they keep you on the line, you know? Yeah, That's exactly. That's so true. Yeah, just from the beginning, like, the seventh and a, seven and a half floor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's really cool how they created like a kind of like Possessor, like an alternate yeah. world that this takes place in, like a world where puppeteers are famous and there's a seven and a half floor and then people are just really weird to talk to. Yeah, <laughs> like, It's just like a little off. Every There's like just some, I mean, obviously there's a supernatural element to the movie, but other than the supernatural element, there is just an abstract like nature to the world that they live in that everyone just kind of accepts, like, no, like, like people are freaked out by the by the by the soul hole but they're not as freaked out as that you would be you know yeah I mean? exactly they're they're a little too uh you know unquestioning <laughs> when yeah. it comes to going in it the dialogue too um is strained yeah it's definitely very strange <laughs> yeah uh, super bizarre 
Yeah. Just like random, not random, but like oh, just like old office guy who's just like yeah, kind of detailing his like sexual frustrations and fantasies. He's like, like casually 102 yeah, years exactly, old. Exactly. Just like. very casual. Just very like Floris. Like I, we we're talking about <laughs> we we're talking about big laughs, and the biggest laugh was the biggest laugh was when he mentioned something like, "If I was eighty years younger." Yeah, <laughs> and, John, and Craig was like, "I'm sorry, how old are you?" <laughs> <laughs> I know this is 1999, and I know this is like Kaufman's brand, but I, Possessor, I think thematically is linked up with this movie much more so than this other movie. But I think Boots Riley did something very similar with Sorry to Bother You. That just like that alternate reality Oakland. Like yeah. it, I just like when I more so when I watch Sorry to Bother You, I think of being John Malkovich. And, yeah, definitely. You know, kind of like vice versa. It just it just sets up like a heightened reality. Yeah, that's not quite ours. Which if you like, you know, buy into it, you know, it's like I think it's like incredibly rewarding to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's fun sure. to watch. It's immersive, but it's also like in a way unpredictable. Uh, which keeps you interested. I didn't know that it was Charlie Kaufman who wrote it. Um, but when I when I like saw that at the end, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Because I think the only Charlie Kaufman movie, he directed, yeah. I'm thinking of anything, right? Yeah, he wrote and directed that. Yeah, so I was like, ah, oh, that makes a lot of sense because it's the same kind of like, I just love movies like that. Yeah, like, people, so or, cool. like the people the protagonists are talking to are just weird for some yeah. reason. Yeah, and it's like, it's never... It's it's like a part of the movie, but it's like it's not like it's not like something that like is like revealed at the end. Like why it's just like that. Yeah. And it's just like okay, that's cool. That's like the receptionist the or not the receptionist. What does he call her? Oh yeah, Ex- it was like, like an executive, executive liaison yeah. or something. Yeah. Like I don't know. I just I just I think it's fun. It's, it's just like a different world that's pretty wacky, but like everybody in it that's like their world so it's like unquestioning basically and then we can tie that back to like the portal and to john malkovich it you know takes you into his basically you're a passive you know observer and you're like in his subconscious though watching and i guess yeah you can you question like where is this going and i think it explores a lot of you know you know questions about humanity existentialism and stuff like that so um should we move on to spoilers because yeah, so, i'm getting stretched then yeah yeah me, me, me too me too so if you haven't seen these movies yet um from get here on out uh warning we're gonna get into the specifics of them from here on out so if you haven't seen them um Don't go watch them and yeah. come back and listen to our thoughts and pause you, right now smash that like button <laughs> and if you are adventurous if you're daring if you just don't care keep listening i don't know it's you can do whatever you want i do think these movies are while i highly recommend going and watching them if you haven't seen them they are like experience movies where the plot isn't as important the plot isn't as important as you know who it happens to they're all kind of more of like a character study how it happens and especially you know with these movies uh, visually you know but if you're a true loyal primo kinoer if you've been watching along at home, then we invite you to keep listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for this first <laughs> time we've ever done this. True Primo Kinonen. All right, Primo Kino country. Let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, Possessor kind of starts off, you know, with the establishment of, like, the universe, the mechanic, where uh, Andrea Riseborough, lead character, um, it kind of shows a bit of the process of, I mean, it kind of shows, like, where they stick that, like, needle in their head. 
yeah and like kind of like scene yeah dial in their you know the the facial expressions and the feelings so you're getting you're you don't know exactly what's going on but um it kind of leads up to that first assassination that first kill where she you know murders the man with a knife and stabs him to death brutally yeah brutal murder really 20 stab wounds yeah really disgusting really bloody she like plays in the blood a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, and then which is it? Which isn't just shock value. It's important to the, yeah. the character because we we're in the middle of her career at this point. I feel like she's been doing this for yep. a while, and there's a note that she used to be clean and clinical. You know, she goes in, she shoots a target in the head, she shoots her host body in the head, and she wakes up. Because that's another thing with the possessing is to get out. Yeah. You shoot the ho- you shoot whoever you're possessing in the head. It's basically like a murder suicide situation, but that pulls you out. And then yep. she wakes up back in their like facility. Um, for whatever reason, now she's being very brutal, very messy about it, and she's struggling it seems to. Like she's enjoying it. She's struggling to get out too. She's struggling to pull that trigger and physically cannot shoot herself. And yeah, relies on the cops to do it. Yep. In the first instance. Yeah. So, I guess like that first kill. I mean, we're talking about it now with the full context, but as you're watching it, that first kill, you're it comes across as like gratuitous and she touches the blood and it's kind of weird and you don't know exactly what's going on. And then, and then there's this like running theme with her family. She's married she, or she's separated, but she was married. She has a kid and you're kind of getting this vibe that she's talking about, Oh, like I need to take a break from work. I need to get away. I need to reconnect with my family. Um, you know, I need like, she needs to step away from the work because she's losing herself a little bit. And um, they have this like pull out process, which I really love, like, you know, sits down with Jennifer Jason Lee, who's kind of like the head of this agency, or at least like her manager, you know, at this place, you know, retired assassin uh, that kind of just does like the, the administrative work now or like not administrative, but like the technical side of it. Um, but like there's like this pull out process where she's observing she there's a like a, a bunch of trinkets and <laughs> yeah, my trinkets. uh and she kind of has to talk about her personal connection to each one of course there's like a dummy one in there that's not actually hers and there's the brings us like the butterfly where you know she's killed it and mounted it and it's like you know preserved in this little frame she felt bad about it then she still feels bad about it so it's laying the foundation and like sowing the seeds of like, okay, like she needs to reconnect with her family. She needs to step away from this work. She's losing herself. This work is, you know, kind of messing with her. It's kind of, and you know, pulling her out of like herself. And as it goes on, and I think that's why it was so important to have that initial scene, not only to establish like the mechanics of the universe, but to kind of establish like this character um, and get us familiar with her because as I said earlier, it's not about, it's not necessarily about like the technology and like how they used it and like, Oh, like all the crazy things you could do with by possessing people. It's about how it's affecting this woman, um, who is, you know, top in her field basically. Yeah. And it's like, she's not really losing herself. She's more finding herself, you know, in this work. Mm-hmm. And it's her family that's really holding it's her back. Choosing work over family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really you know it's not the work that's holding her back. It's it's the family that's holding her back. And 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 that little questionnaire scene you were talking about. That's what I was alluding to with the book ending. There's yep. one at the beginning and one at the end. And um, what I really like about that scene from Jennifer Jason Lee's character's perspective is she's not looking for an honest answer. She's looking for almost a rehearsed yep. remark about like she doesn't really care what she's saying as long as she says the right things yep because the because it's explained in the movie that the process of going into somebody else's mind the 
possessing process is really damaging to your body and your brain and that's why they can't do it for too long that's why jennifer jason lee is retired yeah. and that questionnaire is to make sure there's no like lingering effects lingering effects brain lingering damage. damage but as long as um voss just says her name's voss right yeah that's her last name yeah as long as voss just says what jennifer jason lee wants to hear jennifer jason lee will be happy she doesn't necessarily have to tell the truth yeah just to show that there's no damage and like yeah, Jen, I do love that about Jennifer Jason Lee's character. Obviously, she, she has a vested interest in keeping her top-performing, yeah. uh, you know, employee in the field. They can't lose her star player or whatever yeah. she says. Um, because what she says in the beginning and what she says at the end is virtually the same, with one very key difference. Yeah, and that's after that's after she's gone to this next job, where she, you know, she's trying to Sean Bean's character. He's kind of like a. a CEO a of, a, type. of a data collection. Well, I mean, he's, yeah, exactly. Data collection, data. Like, he's more of a Bezos type. And, like, uh, the whole job is to infiltrate the family through his soon-to-be son-in-law and who's, you know, been kind of slighted by him, who's working in this, you know, what another thing I love, like, this disgusting job. They're doing, uh, they're doing, there's, like, an equal amount of just massive invasion of privacy in both their jobs yeah there's like a little parallel there exactly so like she, while she's infiltrating people and, and infiltrating the minds of people and, and taking over kind of putting them into the passenger seat of their own subconscious he's working in this like data mining facility where you know you put on those little vr goggles and you know kind of like you know infiltrating the homes of other people they basically talking about the colors of their drapes and and whatnot but uh you know basically the whole thing is about, you know, finding someone close to the target and, you know, establishing a motive or someone who's already kind of has a mo motive established, uh, you know, to kill whoever for influence. Except for this guy, I previously discussed this uh, soon to be son-in-law of this like big data mining juggernaut billionaire. Uh, is a little less willing, a little less, uh, I guess not willing, but a, a little bit stronger in resisting being a passenger in his own basically psyche and subconscious. And it's, you know, the cracks are starting to show, they're starting to break through. And I think it leads to some brilliant visuals. Uh, I think that is the scene you were talking about earlier when she makes her jump into his body because... No, the scene I was talking about was the dinner party scene. Oh, okay. I think visually this movie is absolutely stunning because when she makes that first jump into uh, Christopher Abbott's character and it kind of shows you the process of him you know her melting away and being like reconstructive it's the most like just I love like the Malkovich tunnel and I love like any you know and it's like a fantastically effective way of transporting you to like being in someone else but this this movie is never from like the first perspective so this really gives you like that visual visualization of what it's like for her to be jumping into someone else and it's absolutely yeah, brilliant. It like um what's the word it's like a little claymation literalizes like, yeah it. literalizes well, it i think it's yeah i remember like thinking that too like i'm glad that they did because they could have totally just like jumped yeah to, like it being him and like you don't see anything that happens but when it like and it later on in the movie too and like they're kind of like fighting and Oh, that yeah. When we want we we want to jump into like what I think is one of the greatest sequences like in a movie in the past decade, is like when they're like really you know f it all breaks down and they're fighting 
still i think we could talk about that later because yeah. we're still yeah, so far lot, yeah we're still far behind that but yeah, i think those act those scenes where you're in their subconscious in a way are the most like interesting to watch and yeah. captivating well i think um, yeah and brandon brandon my buddy brandon <laughs> um brandon cronenberg really following in his father's still very active footsteps with that you know absolutely amazing practical effects or well i mean i I don't know if you'd call those practical but i think they were i think they were mostly practical yeah it just looks amazing and you have to see it to believe it um i don't know i guess my like interpretation i just thought it was like interesting how like like you were saying her family is like the thing that's holding her back and like i like how they like portray her like lack of emotion for her family she just kind of treats it the same way that she treats like like when she has to like rehearse what she yep. says to like her family when she goes home and she does the same thing when she's inside of like his body i just i thought that was cool like the yeah she's she has like her very like she's set in like what she does like no roles. matter where she is mm-hmm. yeah there's like a parallel she's between the role almost yeah yeah it's exactly. like the same thing yeah yep. the, the yeah her job is basically wiped away any sense of self yeah especially yeah. at the beginning like and she's not even really a prison anymore. Yeah, so she's, like, she's just kind of. And I th- yeah, I think at the beginning when they do the little like assessment with the, the trinkets, the trinkets. <laughs> um, it's almost like you're under the impression that I don't know. It was like a tough job, but like she she will like reorient to herself. Yeah. But at the same time, it's almost like she's she's not even relating to those objects. Is that she's just saying a script? Well, yeah, going through the motions, like mm-hmm. when you're watching it for the first time and she's like in front of her house and she's rehearsing what she's going to say. Like you think it's maybe like, Oh, she's nervous to go back. Like she, you know, but like later on, I just, it's just shit. She's not nervous. She feels nothing. Right. It's not like a, Oh, I got to like make sure like, because like pre jump into Christopher Abbott's character, she like, she's staking out his apartment, rehearsing the way he speaks, rehearsing his speech patterns and like his tendencies. And it's the same thing. She's basically putting on a character for her family, mm-hmm. uh, someone that she thinks sounds and looks normal. And it's basically the same thing. So it's like, is she basically just like a shell of a human being, kind of driven purely by her lust for violence at this point? Did the job do that to her? Or did the job reveal that about her? I don't know. Yeah, that's like corporate like job, like, basically exploiting her and stripping her of any humanity at all for their benefit yeah because i mean it doesn't really specifically say or show like what the agency is you know reaping i mean it does like allude to it and say it but like you don't really see you know they're obviously very underground but there's like, some they're, corruption yeah they're in the way of like the mission with colin yeah so yeah basically I don't know if corruption is the right word. Well, but it it, seems, it, yeah, it kind of, because who yeah. who hires them to even do this job will take over the company, like you know when Sean Bean is assassinated, and but they base they know that they he hired yeah yeah through uh, shares of a company, but like his shares are basically their shares because they know that he ordered this hit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of corruption, a lot of you know scumminess going on with this very like elite underground probably like multi-trillion dollar business but um yeah i mean is it i like how it's underground but it's presented the same way as the um data collection company is it's like in a slick like office building and like it looks 
like any other job until you get to the, you know, meat and potatoes of it. What yeah, they're actually doing. <laughs> I like that big chair she lays down in. It's very Cronenberg-esque. Yeah. Oh like, my not esque. I, like I mean, that. it literally yeah. is Cronenberg. It's like this big <laughs> fucked up dentist chair. I haven't seen Crimes of the Future, but I it, saw that's a exactly for it, what and I was it thinking. Like Crimes of the Future. Yeah, it, it's very uh, familiar. I think the set design, production design, like the whole vibe of it is very Cronenberg, yeah. and I and it's not like not like an imitation way more just like you can just tell that it's in his blood and like in how he learned how to you know and i'm not saying that brandon did all of it by himself but um yeah you know the way that they you know cultivate the vibe of the movie is like very similar even though as you pointed out it's much more pristine and polished um i really appreciated how the parallels drawn between like i said christopher abbott's character has to go into vr to do this like data collection and it's almost the same almost the same way like somebody mentions like you don't want to spend too much time in there yeah Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because it's like can mess with your yeah it can mess with your sense of self so it's like they're both going into like some somebody else's point of view yeah yeah and losing a part of themselves in the process yeah and like his job abbott's job yeah. described as like a soul sucking like horrible yeah. place to be like it's basically a form of torture he's doing the, he's, yeah with like the friends like yeah, yeah. Right, with her really awful <laughs> friend. shitty yeah, friends yeah really <laughs> shitty friends one in particular that <laughs> she's just doing the same thing that she's doing yeah for a job but what, yeah to a different, different level like obviously he's not killing anybody but it's a very similar process he's going in to a different point of view and it's a very yeah the end result and goals are like less violent and different but, but uh, the effects on, yeah yeah and the effects on like humans like aren't meant yeah. to endure that i think did you say something about like voss's deterioration of like her, her like humanity and like is that part of like you know the company she works for is that yeah. like how she you is know, this like her true her nature free will or true nature or whatever is it i think there's enough uh mention and allusion to like the damage that this process causes and along the parallels of this real life you know horrible data mining farm job um you know you don't want to spend too much time in there that i think there's enough there that it suggests that this job did this destroys you yeah definitely um jennifer jason lee is almost like slowly coaching her yeah yeah just completely let go of but she plays it like jennifer jason lee only could so perfectly where she's like a mother figure i was gonna say that earlier i was gonna say like she's really good at being like comforting but like scary like 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 so sinister seriously yeah Yeah. she plays it perfectly such an expert you know behind her eyes that like this is just for, for like an ulterior motive for personal which, ha- which happens in the real world like yeah we're a family here like yeah 100 oh yeah, yeah seriously yeah. and it's yeah more so that she, there's no protection it's like she intentionally allows these things to happen or overlooks what would be like red flags mm-hmm. like yeah i think you know before like as the struggle goes on between abbott and riseborough's character voss's character and christopher abbott um she says she's not willing to risk permanent damage, like, you know, leaving her in too long um, and especially the struggles between their psyches. That's what she but says. But then she she says that and then she goes on to, like, just totally let it happen yeah. because you know, she doesn't actually care. You know, this person is expendable to her. This is only happening because, as we talked about, I think the implication is that the walls are starting to crack. You know, things are starting to break down. She's been doing this too long and 
well now i'm gonna you know bleed you dry basically yeah yeah no like the permanent damage thing when you first hear it you think permanent damage means oh she cares about her well-being she doesn't want her to get hurt but permanent damage actually means permanent damage to her ability to do her job yeah not her not her well-being you're only you're only useful to me so far as you can make me money yeah if you can go in there if you can kill somebody if you can come out if you can't do that anymore that's permanent damage yeah yeah but like yeah weirdly enough too though it's almost like the permanent damage makes her a better or i guess less less human which makes her a better assassin possibly or more of use to her like i don't know if in that sense i think of the same role but like more like a freaking i don't know i think to soldier jennifer jason lee's character that's the opposite of permanent damage to her permanent damage would be her her going like the other way and like not being able to like complete her job and like having like some sense of humanity and you know like yeah, that's like that's, that's permanent damage, damage to jennifer mm-hmm. jason but, character and then we we see all these things that you're not supposed to do you're not supposed to just grab a random knife and stab someone a million times with it you're supposed to use the gun they gave you yeah. you're supposed to use the gun they gave you on yourself to pull yourself out but she, she doesn't seem super bothered by these things because it's leading her down this like very unhinged bloodlust mm-hmm. path and we see by the end, it's almost like this is, you know, coached, like you said, all the way to her dispatching of her own family. Um, and that's really getting rid of the last loose end. And Because when she does that, and, you know, obviously this job gets borderline, not borderline, just completely botched, like... But Jennifer Jason Lee's not mad. Yeah, no, she's never mad. She's never bothered by how a riot's going. Well, that's what i was thinking too when i was watching it because you know like they call her like the star player and all that stuff i'm like why does she still have this job if she like doesn't do it right <laughs> but that's exactly why mm-hmm. like and, I, and she is like with the inclusion of like the plant like the co- who you think is <laughs> chris rabbit's co-worker yeah which is the which is like a wonky part of the movie i think i think his inclusion is a little weird but basically there's a plant like a guy that works for the agency but is presenting himself as this uh the host's friend um, you know, he regards her as a legend and, you know, she, so she has been good at this job. She's always been good at right. this job, but she's slipping a bit, but it presents itself as an opportunity to Jennifer Jason Lee, I think, to kind of roll up the punches and guide her, you know, it's, she's being guided back home, um, because this, you know, her host is now inside her, her psyche and in her subconscious and through that fantastic fantastic scene where the possessor becomes possessed mm-hmm. that's a shout out to jim williams that is mm-hmm. what the that's what the song's called on the soundtrack oh, wow. um basically where he breaks through puts on her mask and oh, you know gets a gets a peek into her life that's my favorite scene that's, i think it's one movie. of the best i think it's one of the best sequences of like any movie i've ever seen yeah that that part where he's like talking to her kid on the street was like or when um tucking the kid in yeah. like mass like going through these like that day those like memories yeah. or whatever with this like warped melted mask there's a lot of imagery on screen of where we take it you know if we're watching the uncut version which i highly recommend because as you know the th- the themes of losing yourself to the violence i feel like are only really appropriately conveyed when you get to see all of the violence do you get to, there's a lot of visualization of her inhabiting in his body yeah. with and, like yeah. her head on his body like there's just great 
possessor uncut comes with 80 percent more stab wounds that's probably true honestly <laughs> because they they do did you know I, the first time i watched it i watched just the regular version and they cut out like i think a I, th- lot I think i read that violence. she only stabs him like two or three times yeah oh my god she stabs him a couple That's times so or on screen it shows okay only two or three. Yeah. with sean bean's character what about the eyeball yeah yeah it cuts out the eyeball it cuts out the you teeth know, yeah not literally like in the uncut version yeah. she cuts out the eyeball <laughs> literally and, yeah yeah but yeah you know gory. the moment the movie really started clicking for me though is like kind of when sean bean's character like was introduced like the, that party scene i thought was yep. really good um, it was cool to see Voss put on like a performance yep. with in a crowded room full of people because you weren't really sure if she was gonna like commit to it. Yeah, but like seeing her have to put on a performance in the party was really cool for me. Like it really put everything together. Yeah, for me. there was a small part of me I think watching the movie kind of up until that point where there is some type of like commitment to this plan. If Voss was going to be swaying back and forth between is this right or wrong yeah um yeah but what what, once moral immoral like yeah once she gets thrown out of the party you're like okay she's like she's like in 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 it like yeah she's not gonna fuck about these people yeah Yeah. because that's a big part of the whole process is you know finding someone with a reasonable motive and then establishing the motive you weren't sure like is she like feeling guilty like she does have to spend a lot of time with his girlfriend like is she like does she like necessarily do anything wrong yeah like does she like feel bad for having to kill her and then like exactly what i would no no, not not at all all. it's all part of the performance absolutely it's it's such a good performance that you think she might be like being like i don't want to do this yeah Yeah. yep exactly this is kind of off the wall but if we're thinking about the mission um the process of it is to transform voss into an unfeeling like human drone do you think that like the the offer the contract or whatever is fabricated in a like it doesn't matter if it's botched who gives a shit oh so, so you're saying if the real job was like just yeah to, to transform her and solidify into... her as yeah I don't know if that I don't know if it was fabricated but I think I was definitely an ulterior motive of as, Jennifer mm-hmm. Jason Lee's character uh, like exactly like when things go awry I think an opportunity presents yeah, itself she, she was very she capitalized on like, opportunistic yeah. like it that was a sense. real thing but she was like oh she's already goofing up so i might as well just yeah. like, it didn't matter really yeah like, and when the, the stakes weren't high in that regard like yeah. they'll figure it out right it went abbott like fully discovers her or like when he kind of assumes her you know subconscious and like gets a glimpse into her life especially when that takes because you know, when we bring it to the end, mm-hmm. we we discovered that Jennifer Jason Lee's character comes out of retirement uh, to you know f- you know give her the push across the finish line she needs as her son. Um, so that has had to have happened, you know, as you know what we're seeing on screen is going on. So I think she knows that that's where the story is leading. That's where this it's is a going means to an end. Yeah, and it's like a perfect opportunity. Yeah, she found she found a way to kill two birds. Yeah, with one exactly. I can, so, I can finish this job and I can. Exterminator family. I can give her to that yeah. pesky I can family. That pesky yeah. family, and she can be like the perfect drone that, yep. that I've always wanted. Exactly. That scene, um, you know, the part that kind of sticks with me is Colin Tate, you know, that character threatening to kill her husband. Yeah. And she says, he's just been holding me back. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah poor guy. <laughs> and like, the, yeah, I know that's like so 
horrible. Yeah, um, but he was a bit of a douche. I wouldn't. You know. Oh yeah, no. Oh, like at the like the little dinner parties scene yeah. where he's just like, oh, I didn't think they'd he stay so long. It's like, well, then ask him to leave. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. He didn't. He does not deserve. No, he didn't deserve it. But, but he's like kind of like a pompous, like wine drinking artsy. Not nothing wrong with wine, but like yeah. he's, he's. But a, it seems yeah, like Tate's character is yeah. like. You know, threatened to shoot him with a gun, and he ends up getting brutally stabbed. So, are we thinking in, a, in the same way? Well, that's yeah. what that's I. That through yeah. line. That's what I was. I after I watched it last night, I came down here and I was talking to Johnny, and I was like, "So, was it her or him killing like the husband and kid?" Because, her. yeah. Well, I mean, like by that time that she's finished, like shooting the kid, like it's actually her. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but. Sh- it's him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, there's, that's there's the a, whole thing. a visual. Yeah, they're like going back and forth. Yeah, you yeah. Do, sometimes you don't really know who's who. Yeah. Yeah, this all culminates in, you know, the job being finished. She's pulled out. Jennifer Jason Lee, you know, successfully infiltrates her son's mind and ends up killing him as well. So the family's gone. The targets are gone. And we have one more, you know, exit interview basically where it's like, you know if you compare it to the first one she's no longer mentioning any sort of like feelings of guilt with killing and mounting that butterfly so jennifer jason lee despite how horribly awry this job is, is how very unclean this job has been is pretty happy because i feel like it's mission accomplished you know yeah. in her arena where she's no longer even recognizing the concept of guilt and not even pretending to feel it even though you know, she recognizes the trinket itself, so she's still very cognizant of, you know, what's transpired. Yeah. You know, her family's dead, and, you know. Yeah, the job may have, this single job may have been screwed up, but it's going to pay dividends in the future when she has a perfect killing machine that doesn't care about anything else. Yeah, no ties, no loose ends, no No feeling, no emotions. She's no like humanity. a Jedi, basically, yeah. <laughs> but a bad one. Not a Sith, a not bad a, not Jedi. A, Sith. a bad Jedi. All right, everybody, let's sing a song about Possessor. <laughs> All right, so Possessor, that's it. I loved it. I've seen it three times now, once regular cut, twice uncut. Brag I'm much? Pretty, yeah, no, I'm pretty much a Possessor super fan. Did you but, see it in theaters? Uh, no. I don't think anybody I don't did. think it had, I don't know if it had like a full run. It probably had a small one because of COVID. Yeah, but anyway, I give it four and a half out of five stars. Pretty firmly cemented there. I really love the movie. I don't think it's quite perfect, but I think it, you know, is pretty fantastic in every way. Audrey? I'd say three and a half. Wow. I would say a three and a half. Wow. At one point almost became a three, Same. but also at one point almost became a four. So I'm a little in between. Well, after this delicious discussion we just had, you're going to be bumping it I up, was going right? to say three before, and then when we talked more about it, I thought, you know, this is actually... What a backhanded compliment. This is out of five, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everybody knows. Abby? As it usually. I um given it a, a four and a half. It has all the elements um, of a movie that Water. I would fucking love. Fire. Water, <laughs> fire. <laughs> you know, I don't do Air and earth. Yeah, this and I don't movie. have like a technical... What are you going to say, Audrey? I said the thing about this movie is that it's... A movie. movie. <laughs> it feels like a movie. It feels like a movie. A movie. Like a movie. You go to not the theaters to see a movie. Chris Pine. Not what? every. Not everyone gets to see a movie. That was Chris Pine's moment where he like lost every bit of self. That was like his <laughs> possessive yeah. moment. Yeah. Seriously. No, but four and a half. That was a Joker um, moment. Love it. <laughs> Just yeah, one of those movies that obviously it's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And dissect and parse apart, and it just leaves you 
it's it's experiential it's immersive and it leaves you thinking about it afterwards uh and i'm excited to rewatch it and i'm a sucker for body horror violence and you know cool little practical effects psycho yeah little (laughs) i mean it's is it may or is it getting crazier out there (laughs) that's harry styles's joker (laughs) society (laughs) tom wayne is my father (laughs) but yeah i yeah i do love um almost everything about the movie and i love a good gory movie a good violent movie um i love the practical effects the cronenberginess of it all um it just doesn't have that five-star vibe due to just a little bit of weirdness that I think you guys picked up on, but I don't quite, you know, I didn't quite put as much stock into. I just kind of wish sometimes that the camera work got a little, like, messier. And yeah, I get, and I get that. Like, I do get that with a lot of movies. And that brings us to our next movie, Being John Malkovich. And I'm sure if you've seen these movies, you can kind of pick up on why I picked them. They're very thematically linked, but it explores a lot of different things. And as we've kind of like mentioned, it's a lot more straightforward. It takes a much different approach. It, to how yeah, it does it, much different it. approach. It's not really so much about losing yourself. It's about finding yourself, yeah. exploring what it means to be a human, kind of getting to act out things that you normally wouldn't. Um, but yeah, basically this follows a starving artist puppeteer, Craig Schwartz. And he's, I mean, the movie basically picks up on his like, pretty shitty life um as he you know kind of struggles equally shitty attitude yeah and it's he's a, <laughs> he's basically a sniveling little loser yeah he's a creep he's creepy looking dingy. greasy hair dingy gross um but this movie is you know spike jones's as i mentioned it's spike jones's directorial debut <laughs> and i think it merits mention because it's pretty low budget and it's pretty uh handmade and it it works you know, yeah it works super well for like i guess like what Kaufman was trying to convey with his script I think because I think um the shakiness of it the graininess of it and like the the dim dinginess of it uh it kind of transports you to the world that they're trying to set up this like weird abstract alternate universe that's rooted in reality but you know got some wacky vibes to it I I don't know if this would be considered like technically a bookend but it does open up with uh Craig doing his little puppeteering show, doing it in like you know solitude in his dingy basement um, as a nobody. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the funny thing is, um, he's like really good at it. Like, it, like, and <laughs> yeah. this is a universe that accepts that art form, mm-hmm. but uh, it's his like dog shit attitude and his yeah. like really just like gross negative outlook on like life and the world. The puppeteering is fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, but it's actually in. Can I just can we take a moment to how fucking beautiful do the puppet scenes look? Like they're like perfectly lit. They're yeah. like shot super well. It's like so funny how they took such time and effort to make the puppet scenes look really good. Yeah, definitely. And the puppets are so creepy too. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. gives this like really creepy, eerie essence to the movie that I think as lighthearted as it is, as we've talked about, there's like very dark like thematic implications and undertones. But also like this dark eeriness visually, yeah. In the movie that I like, yeah, it's like really, it's like emotionally distraught, morose. Yeah, like they actually, uh, it's actually kind of funny. The original studio that was producing this movie, one of the 
Spike Jones to fire his buddy, who's the cinematographer, because it looks so dark and like dingy, especially like their apartment. Basically, was like kind of like the first stuff they were filming. The apartment was a zoo. Like, yeah, it's it's <laughs> and that's another weird thing about like what like these animals, these chimps, and like this, yeah. this crazy zoo of an apartment they have. But it's supposed to be pretty depressing, I think. But I think it was built. Uh, for financing purposes, build as a comedy, and they're like, "This isn't funny." Yeah, like a and, classic studio comedy. Yeah, exactly. Like a surreal dark comedy. And I think the way Spike Jones put it was like Universal kind of absorbed that company, and then this movie did not cost a lot of money to make, and they were like, "Who gives a shit about this?" Uh, they basically fucked off for the rest of it. Um, so they kind of just had license to do whatever they wanted, but it's it is funny how close. Um, I don't know if they came close to, but how heavily suggested it was to like ax the cinematographer for how the movie looked yeah. when really like as a package, like the, the look of the movie. Yeah. It's the point, <laughs> And it looks cause like you said with the puppet thing, he's a capable, he can do what they were going for. He was just choosing not to. Exactly. Like he could be like that successful. He can do what the studio wanted, but exactly. But he resents that. Like, he resents it in such like a pompous and like self-absorbed self like uh filleting way basically mm-hmm. where he'd rather be like starving and miserable than successful because i mean it i mean which is so funny because as the movie goes on he's perfectly fine with riding on someone else's coattails and yeah. using their notoriety and established fame to you know propel his act to stardom i mean but in a way right he, he's like he's haughty and he looks down on like everyone and he's like i'm a fucking genius in a sense though like i don't know if this is because he you know did his act as john malkovich and wrote on you know the coattails of his fame um but i guess it was like critically acclaimed like he was actually yeah, like everybody loved it everyone like, fucking ate that Sean shit Penn up is like, <laughs> i'm gonna quit acting yeah wait i don't want to yeah. look like an imitator but everyone's moving to puppeteering <laughs> yeah yeah like the like we touched on this a lot in the discussion we had earlier but like the alternate world they live in i really like the line when he's like in this wintry economic climate, nobody wants to hire a puppeteer. Yeah, because that implies that there is a economic <laughs> yeah. that has existed before, which in puppeteers were in demand. Yeah, where it's like a thriving business, like yeah. in a thriving occupation. And, and he, you know, throughout the movie, as John Malkovich brings back that, yeah, he brings climate. like the wave of yeah. puppeteering, <laughs> the way that they establish his character, like he wears, he almost wears like getting punched by the dad as like. An honorable, like, sacrifice to the art. I'm a puppeteer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this comes with the territory. Yeah. Like, he had to do that. He had to, like, do inappropriate puppet shows in front of children. Yeah, like, he's got this shitty little setup on the street doing, like, a road show for, like, his puppeteering and basically doing this very weird, like, religious, sensual, sexual, sensual yeah. performance for this little girl, the only one that's watching. And that just, Completely, like... like- disconnected from oh, reality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally absorbed in his own work and totally, like, unable. Obviously, like, the whole point of that is, like, he's, like, unable to grasp, like, being, like, a crowd pleaser and being able to, like, perform to his audience. And Read the room. And so absorbed in himself, which is funny because uh, he can only really obtain success in someone else's skin. He does eventually, you know, early on in the movie, have to swallow his pride because they got to eat and he's got to make money. So and he, they got to pay for the 
chimpanzees Elijah. <laughs> for his uh, Psychi- s- psychiatric psychoanalysis. He has childhood trauma. That he has, that we, he it does give, we does. get a glimpse into it later that this chimp does yeah. have childhood trauma from uh, his inability to escape it was his really family sad from captivity. And made me, yeah, that made me very sad, but also... Fucking hilarious. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> like, but uh, no, he was... It was a healing moment for him. It was a healing moment. He yeah. Would, you know, it's an act yeah, of I like, that, I like that they found the time to do that for Yeah. Him. This little glimpse into that, into the chimp's world. But, uh, yeah, so he takes this job. I mean, he goes through his, the newspaper ads, looking into peas, of course, <laughs> for, for puppeteer. But he comes across something, you know, a filing job, good with your hands. And, you know, he's a puppeteer, so he is. And it leads us into this really weird seven and a half floor office, like, really disgusting fluorescently lit uh corporate environment where everyone's hunched over yeah, and everyone's like, hunched to over. It. but yeah like another like little behind the scenes deal like just like absolutely painfully terrible to shoot like all the seven and a half floor stuff as you can imagine yeah but it just it's like this very visual and physical like discomfort that like he's going through having to like step foot in here yeah contrasted with like kind of like the normal things you would expect with being like hired in the new job like everything like procedurally is normal like the interview the orientation but like everything about it is weird as fuck it's all weird as hell the intro the like uh the welcome video <laughs> of, like the explanation of why it's seven and a half floors is absolutely absurd it's bonkers yeah ridiculous reasoning but yeah so through this act of swallowing his pride and stepping foot into this world that he despises, he happens upon the the portal, the, the, the soul tunnel, hole, the soul hole, if you will, Malkovich's portal. What I love about this introduction into this corporate environment, this office environment, there's more wacky layers to it. There's more bizarre little like the the uh, executive liaison, uh, what he mistakenly uh, refers to as a secretary, has this terrible hearing problem uh mishears everything he says but the the boss of it all is under the impression that he has yeah, a horrible speech yeah. impediment yeah and it's just like this really funny tiny microcosm of how everybody just like buys into like the wacky shit of this universe yeah and so like by the time he discovers the soul hole it's not even like that weird it's like, not even <laughs> weird like it's like totally accepted and it's i think really yeah not only is that great like world building it's great to ease you into like this uh very abstract supernatural version of like reality that where like it's not that hard to buy into the movie's premise in my yeah. opinion yeah and then he goes in and he's john malkovich for 15 minutes and he's a passenger at that point he's not doesn't later knows how to control him but at this point he's just a passenger and he goes through 15 minutes of john malkovich's life and then he spit out into the street and just yeah. kind of like adding to what we were just saying um he just kind of accepts that as the rule that like he, that you he, get dropped at the that you get dropped in this exact spot like for all he knows that was a random spot that it spit him out and it could spit you out somewhere else but, but when like, he ends up showing it yeah. to someone else he's, he's like, like i'll meet you at the yeah, yeah you it'll here. spit you out it'll spit you out here yeah. like trust me i know yeah that's so funny that everyone is so on board with like the rules of yeah. like, this universe and it's funny that you know if you find this little hatch like in this office like in with this like weird creepy gross wet tunnel it's just like you unflinchingly crawl through it with no further inspection whatsoever but again the movie sets it up really well where like you're very on board with the whole premise of people basically like unflinchingly facing the wackiness of like the reality around them yeah another thing i love about 
his introduction into this corporate environment and just like another peek into how like shitty this dude is is his almost like immediate and like instant like desire to cheat on his wife yep like from the get-go like within 30 seconds of like meeting her of meeting like his you know future partner and co-worker uh Catherine Keener Maxine Maxine right? Maxine yeah. uh yeah. very funny scene where he's you know guessing her name quote unquote he's such a weird creepy dude that like in most movies like she would like never talk to him again and but she does like reject him but she keeps on like seeing him and like yeah. is almost just like entertained by how much of a loser he is yeah. like, yes which mm-hmm. can we talk about how like absolutely perfect Catherine Keener is for this role yeah like absolutely perfect at being like this kind of like tough and like almost intimidating uh almost like cruel manipulative like, manipulative, like person but that's likable like, soft <laughs> like beautiful like it's not like a caricature at all it's just like a very natural like person like uh, john cusack's character is very drawn in by that you know rejection and humiliation but like still like this desire to be like loved by someone who like refuses to like give it to him yeah yeah was there something about because i mean the dialogue in the beginning between the two of them was pretty like direct and like yeah. i think she was kind of like crass and like but there's something about that that he like i don't know maybe the authenticity of like yeah, just like yeah, the her personality. I don't know, and and, and it, it you know uncovers a little bit about his personality, where he has this very loving, very supportive, you know, Cameron Diaz like back at home, like exactly you know, where you know he doesn't want like that the mainstream like the kids you know conventional like, yeah, and like he wants to be he wants to suffer and he wants you know he but like he also wants to be successful like it's like this you know dichotomy of like wanting what you can't have and never being satisfied yeah and then maxine just immediately sees dollar signs upon finding out about the john malkovich portal and i, I, I might be misremembering but she doesn't even seen that shocked out. By it. she yeah. didn't even see it like when she like she, oh, she like, just takes his word for it yeah no like initially when he comes he immediately goes to her yeah you know with the opportunity not no he doesn't really put, like pitch it as an opportunity he more pitches it as like this is like like a like crazy otherworldly discovery like this is you don't know the significance of this i think mm-hmm. he says where it's you know an insane like supernatural doorway into someone else's consciousness and initially she rejects the idea and then you know after i guess thinking about it gives him a call and yeah sees dollar yeah. signs like we yeah. this, this is basically a, an amusement park now this is a, an exhibit we can sell but yeah so you know diving more into the actual portal the actual doorway in the malkovich not only is craig starting to get wrapped up in it his wife lottie portrayed by Cameron Diaz he he you know tells her all about it brings her there shows her it everyone who goes through this doorway seems to be like totally obsessed with like it it's an absolute hit and it's like starting to kind of consume everybody who experiences it even though like you would think it'd be kind of like a terrifying experience and that's where the parallels and kind of like the the differences between this and possessor it's like people are starting to like find themselves you know just by being able to be another person but by 
being John Malkovich, they kind of like discover more about That's themselves. That's exactly it. Like they versus like, like loss of identity, yeah. it's like self-actualizing. Yeah, there's <laughs> like, nothing. Yeah. There's nothing dangerous about being in John Malkovich. In fact, like you, you get better at it. Like you, you grow in strength. Craig, in particular, actually is able to control him eventually and speak for him and be, you know shift himself into that driver's seat. But it's there's no like long-term, you know, irreparable damage to him in any way for staying in there and very little struggle or battle and yeah. taking over yeah exactly yeah. which is kind of funny yeah, there's like a few minutes yeah which you know kind of goes along with the other part of this movie where john malkovich isn't just this it's not just random that he has this doorway he's a vessel for immortality <laughs> yeah. that uh the boss and now his buddies because he's low because he's in a vessel um of like is it the guy that like dr wester yeah yeah, exactly like uh he's in a vessel and he's gonna bring his buddies all on for immortality and i don't know what the logistics like Uh, do they share do they get turns at the wheel but um basically john malkovich is a vessel for immortality where they're going to when he's ripe at 44 uh take over and i think craig's ease of you know being able to take over is you know just indicative of john malkovich reaching like his ripeness yeah <laughs> uh, which is like really gross to like, is, think yeah. about or craig's natural skill as a puppeteer, a puppeteer. that's true that's yeah. true they kind of go hand in hand yeah. and he, he is a lot like puppeteering like you don't fight the body you you know kind of like with it. it's yeah. like you're wearing a very nice suit um as he would say i really like the contrast between this and possessor where it's more about self-discovery finding yourself and at the expense of John Malkovich. At the expense of John Malkovich. <laughs> He's the only one that's getting hurt in this. But it is it does raise like really like kind of gross ethical questions where like Lottie is, you know, only like sexually free and like and like from a gender standpoint, uh they feel like they're more comfortable in John Malkovich's skin and in the skin of like another person and another gender. And Maxine is only attracted to her. She's, she loves, uh, you Lottie, know, Lottie's yeah. sp- like yeah. spirit in essence, but only is attracted to them when they're Malkovich. And sh- Maxine is very quick to like shift allegiance to yeah. Craig. Cool. Well, and she find, oh, you, it's been you this whole time? Yeah. It's just like, oh gosh. And like you can control Malkovich, which is like, really, it's just like, what does Maxine really even love and value? And, you know, what, like who, like if, it's that easy to like switch who you love, you know, you know, based on, you know, how they are controlling Malkovich. It's like, who do you even love? Like, and like, who, like, who is even a person in this? Like, what are your identities? Like, um, is it even really you if you can only like act this way and be this way when you're, you know, in someone else? Like, if you're free from the shackles of being yourself, you're like kind of like pathetic, like, uh, lowly, like, persona and you're only you know only once you're in malkovich can you really be free to express your art fully and you know express yourself sexually like yeah like john malkovich is like a filter like filters out all the goo but i mean maxine like starts to like 
Craig less and less in Malkovich's body when he starts becoming more like Craig. Yeah. Like yeah. when he becomes like greasy and long hair and like yep. he starts <laughs> exactly. he turning out. into Craig again. I forgot about and that. It, and it takes, stops liking him. It takes only a matter of like eight months. To- <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, yeah. And, like, this other is- people pick up on it too, like that she's different and she doesn't like Oh yeah, the tabloid. <laughs> like- I also just think it's really funny that there is that full on like tab, like that full on story. Yeah, like, it's like a that- five minute. Yeah. Like- that that huge feature on Malkovich and like this absolute rise in the popularity of puppeteering and the rise in his stardom, how he basically is an instant success and how actors are now considering transfer. This takes place in less than a year. Yeah, it's like a suit, and it's again super funny. There might be the, some commentary there in like Hollywood and like trends exactly. And stuff. It's so well set up that you're not like that's not that's not unbelievable. That's like totally plausible, like in this universe, and obviously you know kind of like a parallel to our own with like the trends and like how things just are ridiculous also i do want to point out just I, we talked about it a lot so i won't talk about it too much but another explanation point on how weird this world is is that dozens of people go through the john malkovich experience and not one person like spills the beans to like the press or the, yeah like no like like they just keep it to themselves <laughs> that this exists and can happen yeah it's like you what you have to wonder like oh are they preserving it um because like the more people know about it it, it'll eventually be ruined or you know you know shut down by whatever government or is it just not notable enough to mention like is it just something you kind of found like you're not eight months where it's out of commission yeah maybe you go and like talk to your friends and stuff about it but yeah exactly like craig eventually becomes so powerful that he can shove whoever goes into the tunnel down into Malkovich's subconscious where yeah. they're basically just trapped in like a maze of his memories and like you know impactful moments of his like childhood and throughout until they get kicked out so you just kind of yeah you, like in this universe the the doorway comes and goes and people are like okay yeah <laughs> yeah they're like they're changed but like they just inherently agree to the rule to not to tell people about it or not like, the first rule of malkovich's yeah. whole soul <laughs> like it's not a huge news story because nobody told anybody they kept it to themselves yeah exactly because there's this uh like reverence and admiration for malkovich's career turn but like obviously nobody's like what the fuck is like, this how do we like, know it's a, uh, yeah I, is this I, I, actually malkovich what's going through this malkovich hole yeah exactly like maybe someone's still in there and then they explore like the the sexuality of it uh having sex with someone while in Malkovich as an observer without the knowledge of the other person and then with the knowledge of the other person and then having sex with someone as Malkovich when you're controlling Malkovich. Yeah. Uh, it's an ethical can of worms. It is. And all the while Malkovich is like aware of it and like, yeah. Well, so I know what my passion no, is. No, he picked up very quickly what was happening to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He like immediately knew that like someone was inside of him controlling him. Yeah, like that's not what. Yeah, that's not my passion coming through. That's yeah. like, and he, yeah, he does kind of like pick up immediately. He like explains the whole thing. Like, I mean, he thinks they're like witches or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, after yeah, he yeah. consults with Charlie, Charlie yeah, Sheen. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> in one of the best <laughs> scenes in the whole movie, where, like yeah. it's just Charlie Sheen, his buddy, who like, again, ate, like. At the end of the movie, where yeah, his, yeah. He aged horribly, I guess, in the past like <laughs> seven years. I think my favorite part of it was Lottie. I just really liked Cameron Diaz's like performance. Yeah, and also how like um, 
quickly Craig was like he didn't care about her and how like yeah, easy he it was violent. Oh, yeah, how yeah. easy it was for him Super to just violent. like throw her into a cage and like or like pull a gun on her yeah, yeah like it's just like he did not care about her and it, and, it, and I, I like her character too and like like she's like seems like a nice person but she also does not even think for a second about the ethical implications of yeah. taking over Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like, to everybody, no matter how good a person they're portrayed, not an issue. it's just like nobody no, gives shit. Yeah, nobody I like how her character played out because I thought that it wouldn't be like that big of a role and she would kind of be like a victim in the situation, but she is also like just the same as yeah. all That's of exactly them. what I yeah. thought too. Yeah. And I was like yeah. pleasantly surprised. Also this like love triangle type of thing. I don't know if you've called it a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> With I guess like it's a triangle plus Malkovich. Yeah. No, I mean I'm thinking I'm talking about Craig, Maxine, Lottie, Craig and Maxine. And Lottie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not for not one second does Craig like apologize or like want Lottie back. He's like dead set on Maxine from the moment he meets her. Yeah. Like exactly. even at the even at the end, isn't he like yelling when they yeah, drive Maxine. off together? Maxine. He's yelling yeah. for Maxine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's and that's another like question I had about the movie is you know maxine and lottie end up you know reconciling and being together and this is after a chase scene through malkovich's subconscious where she's shooting a gun at her yeah so i always thought it was kind of funny how like quickly they are like i I love you i was like i'm sorry but But it's a movie where everybody kind of makes up their minds very quickly exactly changes their minds quickly everybody's very uh, impulsive but where it leads us to, you know, the happy ending versus the not happy ending of our characters is that they ultimately, um, you know, settle on being themselves and being together, like, as themselves and, you know, loving each other for who they are, where one of them wants to get back in Malkovich and, you know, his sense of self is so pathetic that, uh, you know, he can only really identify with Malkovich or, you know, the stardom that comes along with it. Yeah. So yeah, it's that that constant greed, that constant like struggle to be someone else, because it's not even about like finding himself in Malkovich. It's about you know it's how about achieving who he wanted. Yeah, to be. exactly. Using him. Yeah, it's yeah. about using him. Yeah, Lottie finds herself. Puppeteering but yeah, he, he him. He finds exactly what well, he wanted say. to be, which wasn't himself because he's old. Yeah, he's a puppeteer in like every sense, like yeah. of the word. Like he has no real, concrete, you know, self identity, or ideals or values or morals. Like he's just a parasite, basically. Can you say that there's like any similarity between the main characters, like Craig and what's her name? Voss. Voss. Her last name is Voss. Voss. Like, I mean, for different reasons, they both have, like, a lack of emotion towards their family. Yeah. And a lack of emotion towards human life. Yeah. Based off what Craig does to job-focused people, I guess. Totally. Yeah, no issue with, like, violating (laughs) other people. Their host is, like, a means to an end, basically. It's Mm -hmm. not really another human life and in a way at the end like they both are lost like they're no longer themselves like a person yeah 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 like you know craig is trapped in you know not his (laughs) daughter but like malkovich is maxine's daughter and you know uh voss is basically trapped in a way that she's basically just like an instrument now and not really you know a thinking feeling person absolutely 
lots of implications. There yeah. are a lot of implications. And I mean, there. I, I do like the exploration of, you know, this sort of like theme of like possession with a very polished, the very neat, high budget, very like pristine looking like uh, science fiction, high tech uh, it looked high budget. I don't think it was. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't very high budget, but like it looks very like pristine and clean. Whereas Malkovich, also very low budget, is very like, you know, it's 1999, obviously, but like uh, very kind of gritty, grimy, like sort of shaky. Sometimes like ugly, not in, like yeah, way, exactly like, ugly looking. So, um, Joe, how many stars out of five would you give this movie? I give it, I gave it four and a half twice for the two times I've seen it, and. Uh, very recently again four and a half but I am so close to like leaning five on it because I think this movie is kind of brilliant in every way and I, I four and a half but leaning five talk to me in a little bit because it's still kind of like ruminating and I think it has a lot of rewatchability oddly um, we'll be here in a little bit Joe <laughs> yeah just give me a minute it's almost a five what do you think Audrey five five mm-hmm. actually yeah. Okay. No, Blee- I love the movie. Five alert. <laughs> oh, don't. I got that. <laughs> she gave it a five. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's a very strong four. Four stars. Great movie. What do you think, Abby? I would give it a solid four stars out of five. It was fun, weird, wonky. <laughs> it was everything you want. It was everything you want. And John Milkovich is Everything just like, you want, but not deserving of a yeah, five. Yeah, but not a five. And, and a little bit of heart. It, Everything it you could possibly want. It didn't have. I guess it's just there's nothing missing from it. It's a great movie, except for one star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm saying there's nothing missing from it necessarily Let's that would. Two in the weeds. The star, star ratings are always how, vibes. Oh, it's yeah, always vibes. how it hits vibes. you. Vibes. You know a five when you see it. Exactly. Like it's, it's, you know, it's just like a feeling. All right, so wheel, wheel, wheel. Yeah, there's a little, little thing here we have. Um, <laughs> To wrap up the episodes, uh, we have a little wheel, an actual uh, handmade uh, functional wheel that you can't see because this is an auditory medium. But it's just a little fun thing. We spin the wheel, we land on a little prompt, and I ask Audrey, Joe, and Abby to either answer a question, um, do a little creative thinking exercise, nothing long, a minute, just for fun, Okay. And I'm the resident wheel master here, so spin of the wheel. No, it stops. Oh god. Impressions. <laughs> Alright. It's the one I didn't want to do. Me too. I'm very Joe's well at <laughs> so, yeah. Abby, Joe, and Audrey, for a wheel point, it'll be a running tally of, a, of, of points throughout this podcast because I I wanted to inject a little bit of whose line is it anyway into this thing. <laughs> so, for a wheel point. I'm calling. Please give me an impression of John Malkovich rejecting the script to being John Malkovich. This is like a bit of improv and like a bit of him. Yeah. I think that he'd be like, hmm. (laughs) This is interesting. This is bizarre. This is my brand, though. So good. (laughs) I'll see you in court. (laughs) I cannot see myself doing this. I am 
worried about how I will look. I am a serious <laughs> performer. I know what my passion is like. <laughs> Doesn't perfect. this come off as slightly degrading? I don't understand. <laughs> I can't do that. All right, Abby and Joe, you both got wheel points. Audrey, you want to give it a stab? No. <laughs> All right. And I'll, I'll throw. I don't get. I don't get wheel points because I'm the wheel master. But I'll throw in my impression. I I was picturing more of a um, angry rejection. <laughs> I, I, I can do. So, I can so, do. So, angry. so more like, what is this shit? Okay, Charlie Kaufman does not even know me, <laughs> and he's using my likeness. <laughs> How do you write a movie about a man when you don't even know him? You None ask me. You ask me to debase myself with this garbage, this I, fucking trash. Yeah, I have never after. met Charles Sheen in my life. <laughs> the implication that I'd be friends with this man is preposterous. <sighs> All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Primo Kino Podcast. Thanks to Joe for picking our movies. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Primo Kino Podcast. And Abby, you're next up. All right. Why don't you tell the audience so they can watch along at home what your uh, choices for our next double feature are? My movies for next time are Cloud Atlas and Magnolia. All right. So if you're watching along at home, our special five hour episode. <laughs> yeah. Those are two uh, long movies. They're both three hours. So carve out some time for Magnolia and Cloud Atlas. Get ready for some sprawling interconnected stories. Check the description for um, how to watch those movies, and we'll see you next time. Bye.